Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Jingle jangle, welcome to the Premier League podcast from Talk Sport. And Santa's favourite helpers are with me, Darren Lewis from The Mirror, Talk Sport's Alex Crook, and me, Sam Matterface. Ho ho, here we go. The Premier League starts to whisk through its fixtures like Arsenal get through red cards. And how will Arteta deal with a return to Everton with his options more restricted than the view at Goodison Park? Also, a return of a rivalry. Lancashire versus Yorkshire. Red Rose versus White Rose. Beckford, Cantona, Revy versus Busby. Manchester United versus Leeds United. Alex Crook against the City of Leeds. Also, this week, Frank Lampard goes back to West Ham on Monday with his Chelsea players feeling the blues. And after a fascinating duel at the top on Wednesday, Liverpool go to Palace at 12.30 and Tottenham welcome Leicester. All on the podcast that knows it's Christmas because Big Sam is back to save the day. It's the Game Day Premier League podcast from TalkSport. This is Game Day. And we have a bit of a problem on TalkSport this week, gentlemen, because I was about to do a commentary this weekend with Sam Allardyce. And now I think he's a little bit busy with West Bromwich Albion. Uh, so suggestions, please, of who else I can take with me, at Sam Matavase on Twitter. Uh, look, he's a good bloke, Slav. He, he, he did uh, very well with zero investment. Uh, there wasn't enough quality required to stay in the Premier League. I think two wins from 15 this season harms him. One of those is against Harrogate. I also think five wins from 27 going back to February, Alex, also raised a few questions. But Sam will need some cash to pull off a miracle. You've raised two excellent points there. Um, we've been saying all season long that the West Brom squad is, is a championship team playing in the Premier League. I, I can only presume that for Big Sam to put his reputation on the line, he's been given certain assurances that the money will be spent in January. That will frustrate Slavon Bilic, I think, would have liked the ability to revamp the squad more than he did before the season started. But their decline did start at the back end of last season. And let's be honest, the, the main reason West Brom made it into the Premier League it was because Brentford bottled it. Really, Brentford should have been promoted. They had so many opportunities and, and West Brom almost there by default. I understand the anger about the way that the sacking was handled. It isn't a great look when you get a point at Manchester City and then lose your job the next day. It's reminiscent, actually, of when Nigel Adkins was fired by Southampton, having masterminded a, a comeback point against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. The Saints fans were in uproar. I remember having to do an interview with uh, Kelvin Davis begging the supporters 
not to boo Maurizio Pochettino and that one didn't work out too bad. Yeah, I was going to say, but a, a bit like the Nigel Adkins one, will this prove to be the right decision, Darren Lewis? It has to be. It has to be because there are a number of things that have happened along the way with this that have upset a lot of people. When you look at the performance on Wednesday night, you see a squad of players that are playing for the manager. So if you are going to make that change, then the change has to work. Otherwise, the spotlight falls on you. My own opinion is that clearly the appetite to work is there among the players, but they don't have the quality at either end of the field. And so what they should have done was say to Slavin Bilic, go into the market, get a couple of players, here's the money, let's see how we go. Because we he'll get that money, Sam, in January, and there's talk of him getting paid a bonus. If you're going to throw all that money at another manager, why not? give it to the guy who got you into the Premier League in the first place. Doesn't really seem to make much sense. But anyway, I wonder whether or not those statistics that I mentioned earlier have sort of persuaded the board that Sam Allardyce is better at spending it. But we shall see. Eight games to look ahead uh, at this weekend. Let's start at Old Trafford. Given away by Edison onto Rashford, into the air, Pobble with a shot, deflection, and it's behind and away for a corner. Well, prior to that, Bruno Fernandez's effort, which almost went through the greenwood and would have sprung a brilliant attack, Paul Parker, didn't quite come off. And then Edison almost gave them a second bite of the chest. It's not a nice position to be in as a manager because you want your players to play every game with confidence, going into a game uh, one, thinking and believing they win the game. You're very, very... Um, uh, one of very few if you're not going to uh, feel the pressure uh, at one point and uh, I've felt it and uh, whoever feels that pressure uh, are mentally strong enough because you have to be mentally strong to be uh, the manager anyway. You know, they, they was, the fans were talking about Champions League, they were talking about Europe, they are talking mid-table, they got way too overhyped at the start of the season and now they're having to find a way to get results and they're struggling. They've conceded more goals than Sheffield United. Brilliant goal, actually. Newcastle caught on the break and an 18-yard screamer in the top corner by Jack Harrison. Bells River game here. It's finished. Leeds United 5, Newcastle United 2. Manchester United against Leeds is Sunday afternoon's offering at 4.30. Uh, Alex Crook is a dyed-in-the-wall, semi-treacherous Manchester United fan. How important is it, uh, the Manchester United-Leeds game, to you? Well, it was one of the big games of the season when Leeds were a, a regular rival in the Premier League. Um, there's that cross-Pennines rivalry. There's the, the Cantona factor. I remember Eric Cantona going back to Ellen Road the first time after in the Leeds fans' eyes becoming a traitor and, and, and moving to Old Trafford. And, and it, it, it was hate-filled. Absence certainly won't make the heart grow fonder. I think this is, for me, one of the first fixtures of the season where it's going to be sad that there's not a capacity crowd because the atmosphere would have been hostile. It would have been um, intense. And that actually might help Manchester United because I think without that vocal away crowd, maybe the Leeds players won't be quite as fired up as they would be if they had a, a big travelling contingent. But but listen, we saw in midweek, Leeds are an excellent side going forward under Marcelo Bielsa. Some of the goals they scored in that game against Newcastle were absolutely fabulous. But they still conceded. They're still vulnerable from set pieces. This is still a game that Manchester United, their serious contenders for the top four, should win. So what was that? Can you hear that, Darren? Can you hear that? Yeah, that, is it just a, a, someone reversing? Yeah, I think I can hear it, yeah. Yeah, um, I think on Sunday he was saying that Marcelo Bielsa was a myth. I think he said that Leeds are not a big club so far this season. 
Um, and now all of a sudden, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're a real threat to Manchester United. I mean, they were fabulous on, on Wednesday night, weren't they? Attacking in numbers, scoring great goal after great goal. Uh, for me, the fourth goal, where they break at greyhound speed, and there's five mm. of them on the edge of the box def- after defending a corner at the other end, and then they can choose who puts it in the in the net, whilst mm. the Newcastle players chase them like panting cream crackered, uh, aged St. Bernards. I mean, that was the pick for me. Yeah, and... Uh- Absolutely. I, I think that in each of the cases where they're able to break, they make the right decision in terms of who to play the ball to and the ball ends up in the net. The only difference, well, no, I don't think there is a difference actually because that Manchester United defence is less convincing than a crying health secretary. I mean, I think that as far as they are concerned, they are a side that can, they know where the goal is. The only problem with Leeds is that at the back, they are very, very equally as unconvincing. And if the problem with uh, the government is Hancock, the problem maybe sometimes with Leeds United is applying the handbrake. Um, uh, but going forward, uh, they are a, a joy to behold. Can Manchester United get at them at the back? Yeah, I think that would be the obvious game plan and United have sufficient quality in the forward areas to do that. But listen, they can't afford one of their slow starts if Leeds come out on the front foot. And I mean, that that goal you talk about, it was was like the red arrows in white coming forward at Newcastle. If United allow them to play like that at Old Trafford, it could be a difficult afternoon. And I tell you what, maybe we should start talking about our, our players of the season so far. For me... Harrison of Leeds will be right up there. I've really enjoyed watching him adapt to the Premier League. Really interesting, isn't it, with him? Because he is a player that obviously is now belonging to Manchester City. He's a player who's on loan, has been at Leeds United for three seasons um, from, from Manchester City. He he started out in club football, didn't quite work for him over here. Went to he went, he went to New York to school in New York and got picked up by a local club there and then scouted by New York City. Frank Lampard played with him, actually, in uh, the uh, the team at New York City. And then Manchester City brought him across because he was such a talent, I think on the recommendation of Frank. And um, and, and now he's flourishing in the Premier League, albeit not at Manchester City. And he's a real triumph, isn't he? And he, he's a delicious player to watch. I mean, the the, the, the volley cross uh, for the, the diving header, the, the 30-yard effort from goal, which bursts the net, brilliant. And I think Manchester United will be have to have to be very careful about keeping tabs on him, and in particular Aaron Wan-Bissaka, because he plays in his his zone. Mm. I, I like him as a player. Um, I think we possibly shouldn't get too carried away with him. I think if you're talking about players of the season, there's someone in his own team who's better in Calvin Phillips. I think if you look up and down the Premier League, you can get Hoiberg, you can get Saka. Um, you know, Nico Williams, Curtis Jones, who's been outstanding since he's burst into the first team he's been special, at Liverpool. Yeah. But certainly, certainly Harrison is a very good player. And I think he is among a number of reasons why Leeds have stabilised. I do agree with you, Alex. I think that if you look at Leeds' form this season, they've conceded three or more goals on five occasions, I think it is, this season. And so if they start badly and allow Man United a foothold, uh, yeah, Man United could add to that. 
Um, one of the other issues that uh, Manchester United have got is whether or not Cavani's ever going to be fit or whether he has a ban and then Martial has had his injury problems a lack of consistency in the top forward positions the one thing they don't have to worry about is Bruno Fernandes who seems to regularly uh, deliver for them but they can't rely on him for the entire season I mean they've been doing that for almost a year now and at some stage it's going to come back and haunt them it is a big game it's Manchester United against Leeds it's Sunday at 430 Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides, and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. The pressure piles on Mikel Arteta. Where next, you have to ask, for the embattled, beleaguered Arsenal manager? This is our reality right now, and we have to face it. And we have to face it being brave, fighting, and uh, no one giving up or anything. Calvert-Lewin is underneath. Oh, he's headed oh! in. And Dominic Calvert-Lewin has got the equaliser for Everton. We are where we want to be. Unfortunately, the season is so long and we have to, to keep fighting to stay in that position. Everton Arsenal is 530 on Saturday at Goodison Park. This is another big game, not necessarily because these are two teams fighting for uh, European places or Champions League places. Well, one of them might be, but it won't be Arsenal. Not on current evidence, because again, in midweek, they shot themselves in the foot, getting another red card. It's the seventh time that someone has been sent off since Mikel Arteta took over the club. Uh, This cannot continue. Um, I mean... I don't know whether or not uh, you can tell us the story now, Crook, of the story that you had for us on Sunday, which didn't quite tell us, sort of dipped your toe in the water and said senior players have been misbehaving and then you were going to tell us and then you backed out. What, what was the situation? Can you tell us yet? I can't. I can't. I'm still trying to stand up my, my information. Mm, um, right, okay. it, it doesn't reflect very well on uh, Mikel Arteta if what I'm being told is true. And, and actually that staggering number of red cards is another reflection of the ill-discipline. And, and, and this game is um, is a difficult one for Arsenal fans because, in a way, it's a, a brutal reminder that 
perhaps when they decided to change managers and replace Unai Emery, the man that they should have gone for and that they could have got is actually in the opposite dugout in Carlo Ancelotti, clearly a much more experienced manager than Mikel Arteta, in my opinion, a much more tactically astute manager than Mikel Arteta. I mean, you look at the way that he's managed to transform Everton after a bit of a wobble with the injuries that they've had. I'm not sure Mikel Arteta would be able to do that. And, um, I think the only reason that Arsenal ended up picking up a point against Southampton was because for some strange reason, Ralph Hasenhutl, once they went down to 10 men, seemed more scared of losing the game than actually going to try and win it. If if Saints were more ruthless, it would have been another Arsenal defeat. And even a point, even a Bamiyan getting back on the score sheet still leaves many more questions than answers, I think. One win think. in nine for Arsenal. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what the stage of the season is or how much uh, investment or lack of you have had or or whatever. That isn't good enough, is it? It's the worst start to a season since 1974. And every word that Alex just said, I would echo. I covered the game for the Daily Mirror on Wednesday night and I was staggered at the caution that Southampton displayed. And Hassan, he admitted afterwards he was scared of being caught on the counter-attack, which I didn't really understand given the lack of confidence in the Arsenal team. They were there for the taking. When you look at the belief in the Burnley side, you look at the belief in the Aston Villa side that beat them 3-0 at home. When you look at the belief in the Wolves side and he contrasts that with an informed Southampton side who'd won each of their previous two games. They've got the firepower and it was just sideways. They created chances. They did. Redmond hit the woodwork a couple of times, but I, I, I was just a little bit disappointed in Southampton, I have to say. That said, I, I think there are still big problems for Arsenal. I, I know you're a bit nervous about saying it, Crook, but I can tell you, I know for a fact that there were senior players who wanted Ancelotti's experience when it came to a choice between the two but Ancelotti was never in the running it was always going to be the man who's got the job right now and I think that Everton with their belief with their you know two wins now they've got a revival they're in amongst it again Calvert-Lewin is a better striker than anything they've got in their front line at Southampton I think this could be a difficult one for Arsenal and reopen those wounds that have existed for a while maybe one win in ten I would extend that stat you mentioned Sam too well listen we spoke um, I think it was last week actually when we were discussing the fact that Mikel Arteta is under pressure he's got to be under pressure because statistics uh, suggest that they are floundering and I think the the rumour at the time was he has three matches to save his job they lost at the weekend to Burnley they uh, have been held by Southampton they've seen players sent off again in consecutive matches is this a pivotal match in the tenure of Mikel Arteta, Alex? I think it should be, but if you look at what Edu said um, before the Southampton game, then <laughs> there's nothing to see at the Emirates Stadium. Um, listen, he has to be under there pressure. There hasn't Darren's been much mentioned. to see at the Emirates Stadium, has there? I mean, let's be honest, especially not in terms of goals. But, but Darren's mentioned their worst start to a season for a number of years, those issues with certain senior players. And actually, I was with a, a former Arsenal player, an Arsenal legend, a few days ago. And he was saying the worst thing that Arteta did was change his title from head coach to manager. And that was a bit of power hunger because he wanted it to be seen that he was the man making all the big decisions. It wasn't Edu or the boardroom. And if you look at their run of results since he made that change, that symbolic gesture, if you like, you've got to say this ex-player's got a point. That is a situation where you can use 
being the head coach to your advantage. If something goes wrong in terms of the way the club appears to be being run, you can blame it on those upstairs. If you are now sitting on the board, you can't do that. No, you can't. And you have to take responsibility. Um, And although Edu is supporting him, Edu has to support him because if Arteta fails, Edu's failed. So Edu has to be behind him. But when you, it's the numbers, you can talk all you want about, and I said this in my match report, you can talk all you want about players working hard behind the scenes, about the attitude being right, if you want to believe that. Um, But what matters is what you do on the pitch. You know how much on this very podcast I've supported Arteta. I've been a big fan of what he's done. But last season's FA Cup is history now. I think it's about what they do on the pitch. And he's struggling to get goals out of the side. The discipline is poor. Three red cards in their last five Premier League games. And defensively, they're all over the place. And you mentioned those teams that they lost at home to that was it's their worst home they went into the match with their worst home run in 61 years Wolves for the first time they'd lost since 79 Burnley for the first time since 74 you cannot be losing to these teams and think that you can hold on to your job and that the rest of the world is wrong I'm sorry Arsenal we need a strong Arsenal in the Premier League and I think if Everton beat them it's hard to make the case for him because then he plays City in the EFL Cup at home and Chelsea at home and each of those sides have got the firepower to put Arsenal to the sword I thought Bakayo Saka's tweet after the Southampton game was was quite interesting he basically said that Arsenal fans deserve better with a broken heart now you could see that as as a player being honest about their performances and, and actually encourage the fact that he's spoken out but you could also see that as a player breaking ranks you know turning the trigger on his teammates maybe on the manager because Saka has been probably the one bright spot this season and maybe he feels at the moment that the rest of the players are not on the same journey that he is I mean he's still very young isn't he I mean I think that's worth pointing out I mean I don't I, I can I can you, I mean maybe we should just sort of look at that as the innocence of youth rather than anything else because what is he 18 6, 17 18 but he's probably Sam, their best player Sam can I ask you would, would Arteta still be in his job at Chelsea no chance yeah, out, so. out, out, out by Christmas, I think. 19 years, Bukayo Saka. Um, you have a 10-year contract at Man United. Uh, <laughs> would he be... <laughs> no, I, maybe he would still be in his um, uh, position at Chelsea. I, I think we're in a different zone in terms of... And we've spoken about this on the podcast about managers getting fired. But I think... Um, I think when you get into a situation where you're 15th in the league at Christmas and, in, and, and it, there, there doesn't seem to be any apparent improvement, I mean... The idea that you can point to the fact that they had a great chance at the end with Rob holding to win the game. I mean, but you should never be in that situation where you're having to win against Southampton after losing to Burnley and Wolverhampton Wanderers to get yourself, um, you know, to keep yourself in a job. I I just, for me, it it seems as if, and I don't know what's happening behind the scenes as well as Alex uh, has suggested that he does. The way it comes across is that there's been a sharp decline in atmosphere and performance since the summer. And I don't know what happened mm. in between time, but something did. And it, it isn't very palatable. And I think if he doesn't rectify it incredibly soon, if he doesn't go on a great run over Christmas, then it's inevitable. That Because by the time you get to January, if anyone, I mean, I don't even know if they've got any money to spend because it hasn't, there's been no evidence that they have over the course of the last few years. But the, the big outlays have been on wages for Willian, not been good enough. 
Aubameyang yeah. not being good enough. Ertzel not there. They spent seventy-two million pounds. Well, they didn't. They they have a deal of seventy-two million pounds for Pepe spread over five years. Well, I mean, I hope they kept the receipt because he hasn't offered seventy-two yeah. million pounds worth of, of value up until now. So the recruitment's been bad, and the tactics haven't been good enough for what you, what you have got. Their best players, as you've already all alluded to, have been the players that have come through the ranks. I wonder how much yeah. the, the departure of Emmy Martinez upset the dressing room because you saw how popular he was uh, with the Arsenal players after his emotional interview on the pitch at Wembley. And it was quite brutal, wasn't it? The, the fact that they just said to him, well, you're not going to be number one. I think he wanted parity wages-wise um, with Burnt Leno. They weren't willing to do that. So all of a sudden he was sold to Aston Villa. That is part of the problem though, Crook. You know, again, I said this in the match report. If you look at Spurs down the road, bitter rivals, Arsenal kicked sand in their faces for two decades, and yet they're competing for the title on half the wage bill and twice the desire. And so I don't see having to go out in the market and spend more money as being the solution when you are not able to organise a side and motivate the side to pull off wins against sides you should be beating. I think this is now down to Arteta and his ability to heal the wounds that there are in addressing any rifts. Uh, you know, I don't like seeing Ceballos picking fights with teammates all the time, you know, in the, trying to make himself out as some faux hard man, you know, or the, the idea that players are on Instagram showing solidarity with players who have been exiled from the team. All of that is a bad look. And I think as far as Arteta is concerned, it is about what he does. You're right, Sam. He is the manager. He has got to find a way to bring it all together. Yeah, unity was really important at the back end of last season when they won the FA Cup, but that seems to have fractured now. Uh, let's get on to Selhurst Park. Big game this for Liverpool. What an outstanding goal from Wilfred Zaha to bring Palace back into the game. A lot of teams are up and down because you know that is the nature of the league and the quality of the opposition we face every week. And Liverpool announcing who should be the title favourites with a late, late goal at Anfield as Roberto Firmino powered home a header. We all have the same chance and it's about how go you through the difficult parts of the season, how can you find together as a team, as a group. Well, there's two reasons it's a big game. 12.30 kickoff, and we know how much Jurgen Klopp loves a 12.30 kickoff after a big Wednesday game. And also, um, Liverpool, fantastic at home. Seven wins out of seven, 66 league games since defeat against Sam Allardyce's uh, uh, Crystal Palace. When does Big Sam go there with West Brom? Put that date in the diary. Um, (laughs) But away from home, Darren, Liverpool haven't been very good at all. No, they're being very unconvincing. My jaw dropped at the result. I was on my way back from Crystal Palace, ironically, last weekend, and my jaw dropped when news filtered in that Liverpool couldn't beat Fulham at Craven Cottage last weekend because I would have put your mortgage and yours, Alex, on them to do that. So it will be fascinating, this match. Not your own, just ours. Well, absolutely, yeah. (laughs) I'm from the Boris Johnson School of Courage. (laughs) Sorry, I better edit that. I probably better not put political jokes in there. Am I allowed political jokes? Yeah, just get on with it. It's Christmas, it's Christmas, you know. (laughs) The the funny, the, the fascinating aspect of this game, and the sad one for me, is the loss of Christian Benteke. Because 
He's Never been a red playing card. well his last couple of games. Yeah, I, I don't think it was a red card. I agree. Um, and if I were Palace, I'd appeal it and see if we they can get him available for this game because in the last couple of games, he's been coming back to form, wonderfully taken goal against West Ham on Wednesday night. And I think that he is, it would be really interesting to see how he could unsettle that makeshift Liverpool defence uh, on uh, Saturday. Is Saturday lunchtime, is it? Saturday lunchtime, 12.30, yeah, which is why we sort of highlighted yeah, the yeah. fact that Jurgen Klopp wouldn't be too happy about playing at that time because we know he doesn't like getting up early. Yeah, yeah but yeah, it, it, he's a big miss for me, but Palace can score goals. Eze obviously is playing with a lot of confidence. We all know what Zaha can do. Uh, and in the game against Spurs last week, when they conceded first, I thought that was it. But they've got tremendous character in that side. And I still think they'll give Liverpool a game. They'll give Liverpool a game because Liverpool actually don't like teams that play the way Crystal Palace play, which is lightning on the counter-attack. I mean, Jurgen Klopp was talking about Tottenham Hotspur. He called them the monster of the counter-attack. And, and Crystal Palace, to a lesser degree, because they're not as effective, play in the same sort of way, Alex. Yeah, they do. Um, I was at London Stadium on Wednesday night and was really impressed with Palace. I mean, you know what you're going to get from a defensive point of view. They're well drilled. They're well organised. If you're going to score goals against Crystal Palace, you have to work extremely hard for them. But it was my first real chance to watch Eze at close quarters. I thought he was absolutely excellent in that game. Such a such a good outlet for them in terms of carrying the ball from, from back to front. Zaha was buzzing around, as you'd expect. And Benteke looks somewhere near the Benteke um, that scored all those goals for Aston Villa. So credit to Roy Hodgson. Something has, has transformed there. He was a menace in the air. He was putting himself about in a way that we haven't really seen over the past couple of seasons. And then David Coote steps in and makes one of the worst decisions of the season. And, and listen, David Coote's got a few contenders for that. I think he's a very poor referee. And, and robs Christian Benteke of the chance to continue his good form against his old club. I'm not sure they can appeal, can they? Because it was a second yellow, yellow card. card. Yellow card, yeah, so you can't right. do it. Yeah, right. so it's impossible. But it, Which is ridiculous, really, when you think about it, because he is going to miss that game at the weekend. And... Uh, and as you say, it's, it, it seems like an unfounded decision, but then he's not hes not afraid to make those, David Koo. A quick word on Liverpool, because I think, you know, that the, the I, last year, they won so many games right at the end of matches. They were brilliant at that. You know, they, were, they, they would get over the line in, in games where, where teams thought that they'd held them. They thought that they'd got them by the throat and they weren't going to get all three points. But again, on Wednesday night, they, they come up with a brilliant set piece. And what was, let's be completely honest, a fabulous header from Roberto Firmino, which, which settled the game against Tottenham Hotspur. Um, they do have great character in that team. If there's one area that I'm slightly concerned about, it is the defence. And, you know, Reese Williams did okay in patches in that game against Tottenham, but there was a couple of moments where he stepped out and he was lost behind and he lost his man and he wasn't in the right zone. And I think that is going to be a problem for them going forward, especially over this very congested Christmas period. I, th I think it's interesting you, you, you highlight the character there and we've been critical of Jurgen Klopp for his moaning about 12.30 kickoffs, for his constant bleating about the, the physical exertions that are being put on his players. But I do think that's helped create a siege mentality. So maybe it's a clever bit of management for, from Jurgen Klopp because they're, they're winning games now that really with the number of absentees they've got that they shouldn't be winning. And we're all saying, oh, it's going to be a really exciting season. So many teams in the title race. But actually, given the fact that Liverpool have still given themselves at daylight now at the top of the table <laughs> without many of their best players. I think the rest of the 
the division look like they're playing for second place. Yeah. Whoever finishes above Liverpool will win the league, put it that way. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. I think Mourinho's trying to get into Klopp's head by picking fights precisely because Liverpool still do have to come to London. And so he wants to build that up because those three points could be decisive if if Spurs stay consistent. There is nearer to exploit in his defence and Klopp on Wednesday night was gushing about Reese Williams. But there were a couple of key chances that Spurs will kick themselves for missing. Bergvine hitting the post, Harry Kane, six-yard box, normally eats that kind of header for breakfast and, and missed it. The only downside that you were set against that is that Palace don't have a poacher in, in you know in in Harry Kane mould. I mean, Batshuayi obviously can score goals, but you know has he got the awareness to be able to take that kind of chance? I'm not so sure. I don't want to. I don't want to pull you up there, but you said Batshuayi can score goals. Where was the? Where's the evidence for that then? Let it go. He tried his best for Chelsea, Sam. He tried his best, and he did get one or two. He won them the title uh, when he scored a goal against West Bromwich Albion. I'm, I'm not complaining about that, but I'm just saying he hasn't scored any goals has he, this season. Has he got a goal? I don't think he's got a goal yet, has he? Yeah, but Benteke hadn't scored for, goodness me, since I had hair. Well, ha- you know, how long do you wait? I mean, <laughs> you know, Benteke's Tech's got three and three now in the Premier League. He's also That's got three and 333, yeah. 48. <laughs> you're a, listen, you're a statsman, Sam. How many had he scored before this three and three? Well, it was, it was three and 48 before three and three. There you go. Okay. There you go. But he's not on loan, is he? I mean, you, you know, that's your eye. He's on loan. I'm not entirely sure he's going to come good. But yeah, you never know. There it goes. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur against Leicester is a 2.15 kickoff on Sunday. The second uh, best team in the league right now, Tottenham, against a team that actually, they, they sort of flatter to deceive, don't they, Leicester? Are they maybe playing to a level that is more what we should expect from them in that they have a couple of very good games and then they have a game where actually they're they're outdone by a team that are very tactically aware like like, like Everton and Carlo Ancelotti. They remind me a bit of Tottenham from the sort of late 90s, early 2000s when, when everybody was on their game, they could beat anybody and they were capable of outstanding performances but there was no consistency um, in that Tottenham team and and there's no consistency in this Leicester team either they obviously have some terrific individual players they themselves have been besieged by injuries but they're not title contenders I don't think Brendan Rodgers believes they're title contenders I don't even think they're top four contenders um, to be honest and to use Darren's uh, favourite catch phrase you can't trust Leicester you, you, you don't know what you're going to get from the Foxes from one week to the next. Um, with Tottenham Hotspur, you can trust them. You can trust them to be tight at the back. They've been brilliant at making sure that they don't concede too many goals. Uh, but how are they going to deal with the pace of Jamie Vardy, Darren? I think they'll deny him space in behind. I, I think that they will do very similar to what they did with Liverpool. They won't allow... Um, them, they will say, look, keep the ball out wide, but you're not going to get in behind us. We're going to drop deep. We are going to make sure that we cut off that supply line as well to Vardy that so many other teams seem incapable of cutting off. And I think that they will go on the front foot and give Leicester more to worry about than they have to. I agree with Alex. I think Leicester are in a false position. You can't trust them. Uh, they lost against Fulham. They were easily beaten by 
uh, Everton and this aside that smashed up Manchester City on their day they're brilliant on when they're not on their day well or to be fair they just don't have those days often enough and I think very slowly they'll slip away from that top four ah, even if they finish in the top six this year that's a very good season yeah, for, yeah, for, for Leicester good. City for Tottenham Hotspur they certainly are looking at the title and if they can win they'll keep a pace with Liverpool which I think is important over the course of this Christmas uh, period and uh, you know it's funny funny time Christmas anything can happen you know strange results do occur Crystal Palace may well win that game you never know right let's move on to Newcastle against Fulham it's our roulette rivalry one to watch this week hello Lucy how are you hello yeah I'm good Tara how are you yeah good thanks how's how's Teddy the game day Premier League preview podcast mascot oh, that's Teddy, his Teddy. full name He's he's great and he's so well trained. I'm I think I should if this career fails, I think I can become like the next Caesar Milan. Oh, well, what I'm going to say to that it's already failed. You're working with us every week. I was going to say all I can say to that is always have something in the back of your mind for something else to do. Um, we are we're about as reliable as Leicester. We have a couple of great games, but those days, as Darren has already mentioned, are not often enough um you've trained him already that's quite amazing because regular listeners to this podcast will know that he, you only took deliver of delivery of him uh, last week you don't take delivery of a dog you welcome him into your home oh okay you don't get him on animals is he just then? coming for christmas loose or is he around for life no he's around for life like you know 10 plus years so you know i'd probably be as old as you <laughs> 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 More than 10, I'm afraid. <laughs> okay. Right, let's crack on. Let's this, 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 this scrape to the bottom of that very deep barrel, shall we, for this? What have you got? Newcastle against Fulham. Right, roulette rivalry on to watch. You will have 45 seconds, and I will give you a player from this fixture. And let's start with you, Crook, and I'm going to give you... Callum Wilson. Oh, oh, Lucy. Thank you very much. Time starts now. Stewards inquiry. I love Callum Wilson. Always have done. I think he is a, a fantastic striker in terms of playing on the shoulder of defenders. He drags defenders out of position. And ultimately, he is a striker who knows where the goal is. And he's up there in the top 10 goal scorers in the Premier League this season leading the line in a Newcastle team. We don't create too many chances. I think he's got the added incentive of, of trying to force his way into Gareth Southgate's England squad next summer. That's going to be difficult with the players ahead of him in the pecking order. But I'm really pleased that he's got his career back on track at Newcastle because he had a disappointing year with Bournemouth as they were relegated. But that was as much due to the fact he wasn't getting any service as to anything he was doing wrong. I think he is a, a really good Premier League striker. He's got lots of points for my Stop. fantasy team. I see a bit uh, of worry I, in your first now. Not worry. Um, we just know that you've stitched us up here. You, you're in cahoots. But it's just a, honestly, stitch up. Well, let's find, let's find the player that he knows best out of that three and uh, and make sure that he gets it. It's, that is a Christmas the player present. player that he spent ages covering the yeah. from his time on the South Coast. Exactly. Merry Christmas, Luce. Merry Christmas to you too, Crop. <laughs> Did you pay for the dog? Did you pay for the dog? Coasting the stitch up. <laughs> Let's go to you, Darren, and I'm going to give you Carl Darlow. Time starts now. Oh, my goodness, mate. 
feel a lot of sympathy for Carl Darlow because he's playing in front of a Newcastle side, uh, Newcastle defence that can't defend to save their lives. I should say side because I think when you're as unconvincing as they are at the back, then all hands need to be at the pump. Darlow conceded five goals against Leeds on Wednesday night. But if you look even further back, eight in his last three, sorry, four, and 10 in his last five, and they just don't provide enough security for him. He did exceptionally well under the circumstances on Wednesday night because there were moments where he was all alone as everyone charged forward for Leeds. And you have to wonder why Steve Bruce doesn't do more to afford him some kind of protection uh, in goal. I think he too must actually assume some responsibility and start demanding more of the players in front of him. So it could be that this season is a bit of an evolution for him in terms of a character. The best goalkeepers, you see them shouting all the time. You look at the top of the division and you see some of the angry goalkeepers who get what they want in terms of organising their defence. Maybe Dalo needs to be more of that sort of person if he's going to get that Newcastle defence playing well. It's my 45 seconds up, oh, yes. I said stop, but you've done an extra 30 Seconds. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> that seems to go on forever. I was going to say that went on so so long. I started I started to wonder who he was talking about. I thought Carl Darlow had taken over from Steve Bruce at one point. Um, I didn't hear what you said. I thought I think sorry. Darlow is going to be in the England squad. You know, when it comes to to March, I think there's a good chance of that. I think he might be as well. I, I think he's done. All Alex right. McCarthy not got more credentials. Uh, I Pope, I like uh, still. Yeah. I think Pope should be England's number one now. Can we invest in a buzzer, Lucy, for this um, feature? Because quite regularly we miss your timid cry of stop. Can we get a buzzer? Surely the budget can stretch to that. I've got one. I've got one. Well, then why didn't you press it? Well, because I'm not doing a timer. I know my role. I don't want to get told off by uh, by Lucy, do I? Or can we get a Graham Northern style chair that we can just flip <laughs> Darren over when we don't agree with what he's saying? What, just me? <laughs> if that was the case, Crook, I think you'd be laying on your back for the whole of the podcast. <laughs> <sighs> I think that is the line of the season. Yeah, well done, Luce. <laughs> right, Sam, you have Andre, Frank, Sambo and Gisa, and your time starts now. Um, what a brilliant midfield player a destructive midfield player, a player who has become a massive influence on that uh, Fulham dressing room. He actually had a spell last year away from the club because they bought him amongst that big splurge of um, uh, Khan's money a couple of years ago when they got promoted to the Premier League and it didn't work out for him at all. So he went to Villarreal, I think, on loan last year did quite well they bought him back I saw him on Sunday in the game against uh, Liverpool and I thought what was really impressive about him was not only he knew when to pinch the ball not not only did he know when to go out and engage in the centre of midfield he was talking all the time he was talking to his fullbacks. I have to say, I love the the way that you allowed the first 10 seconds to elapse before you started talking. <laughs> I had to I think. I had to go into the Mime Palace and find the relevant file. Where <laughs> where have I stored the information on Andre, Frank, Zambo and Gisa? <laughs> 
West Bromwich Albion against Aston Villa is a 7.15 on Sunday. Now, this game's big because I think West Brom fans see Aston Villa as their big game of the the, the season. Some of them certainly do, or Throstles fans. Um, they've got Sam Allardyce in charge for the first time. Um, how much difference is that going to make to their fortunes, Darren? I think West, uh, Aston Villa will be gutted because uh, Allardyce almost certainly when he comes in, the first thing he concerns himself with is the clean sheet. And so he will not be interested in trying to win the game. He'll get them organised. I've seen him at so many different clubs. And when he goes in to do his firefighting mission, that's what he focuses on. The football won't be pretty, but survival isn't pretty. Survival is about getting points on the board and making sure that you are hard to beat. And that's what he, the first thing he will do. I don't know if you saw our colleagues at Sky, they showed his survival blueprint that he uh, revealed on, on Monday Night Football with Dave Jones and Jamie Carragher. Mm. And that was the first thing he'd, he had on a list of things to do. Keep clean sheets. And so although Villa's away record is very, very good, I think that they might find it harder than they would have done against uh, West Brom this weekend. Do you know what's amazing about Allardyce? You know, he's, he's never shy to moan about his lack of opportunities. And he said, oh, if I was called Aladici, I'd get top jobs. This is his eighth different yeah. Premier League club. Record. He's also managed England. There are quite a few managers who would love to have that kind of CV. So I don't really see that he can play that card yeah, no, I think anymore. I, I, I think not necessarily it's the lack of opportunity that he complains about. I think the problem is, is that he tends to get himself into a situation where he's done quite well at a club and then clubs decide to dispense them, get delusions of grandeur and replace him with someone who they think is some is a little bit more sexy. For example, Everton. Everton dispatched him and then went on a, went down about seven different rabbit holes before they came across Carlo Ancelotti. It's the same at, at other clubs as well. West Ham United, they weren't satisfied with, with his style of football and they were always searching for something new. Have they ever found an heir uh, apparent to, to Sam Allardyce, someone with more stability and longevity? Well, it might be David Moyes, but... I mean, arguably, that's the same sort of style and type of manager that they had under Big Sam. So I, I think his complaint is not necessarily that he hasn't got opportunities to manage clubs, because especially in the latter part of his career, his big um, sort of attraction has been come and save us. Whereas I think what he wanted to be able to do was step forward with a club and be able to build a legacy, something which he did do at Bolton Wanderers, but hasn't got to do anywhere else. Did you make the fact he's only points. an 18-month contract? Well, it's exact, that, that is exactly yeah. what the, the, yeah. his point is, you know. Yeah. I suppose they he's got 18... Yeah, he's there to save them. He's there to stabilise them in the Premier League and then they'll try and go and get someone who's a little bit sexier. So not not saying that he's words. not sexy. I but mean, you know, I'm sure to Mrs. Allardyce, he's very sexy. <laughs> sexy in that video in Ibiza, isn't he? Let's not go down those particular rabbit holes. I just think that... Um, as far as Allardyce is concerned, Sam's right to make the point about it being his record eighth appointment because it, it does lay waste to the idea that he, he's not seen as sexy where he takes so many other people's jobs. Um, and the second thing is that if you look at British managers, and that was a thing, it wasn't just for him, he was talking about British managers, but you look at the last 10, 15 years, David Moyes has been at Man United, Harry Redknapp's been at Spurs, He's obviously been at England. I mean, you look at some of the biggest jobs in this country. Well, Chelsea now. British managers have had them. Chelsea, exactly. If you look at Manchester City and Mark Hughes, uh, it's hard to buy into the idea that keeps being perpetuated that British managers don't get 
uh, top jobs because they do. Sam's problem is that the way that he plays, it's extremely effective, but the fans don't like it. And that's why he lost his job at Everton. Very similar to the reason why he lost his, his job at West Ham. But he did get those opportunities and I don't think he can say that anymore. Aston Villa have won six of their seven away games. It's going to be very difficult for West Brom this weekend when they clash with Dean Smith's team. Southampton against Manchester City is a Saturday three o'clock kickoff, and Manchester City have had their problems with scoring goals, um, especially in, in games against uh, Manchester United recently, and even against West Bromwich Albion, where they had a lot of chances. And Sam Johnston, who I think is a terrific goalkeeper, yes, you heard it, I just praised the goalkeeper. I know that seems to be a caricature that I seem to have inherited somehow, just because I wasn't a great fan of Kepa but anyway Sam Johnson is, or Matt Ryan well he's been dropped from the squad as well hasn't he I think that's just called <laughs> or Jordan Pickford I think that's just sort of called foresight um, but jo- Johnson I think brilliant in the game against Manchester City but Manchester City a lot of their efforts Darren were at him weren't they I mean Manchester City have let themselves down with their finishing how do they solve that because Southampton won't give them as many chances and Southampton will create chances in that game and I think this is a possibility you know Southampton may be accused of being a little bit uh, pragmatic in the game against Arsenal if they go for it against Manchester City they might they might cause a surprise here yeah I agree I think that by this stage in each I think of the last 8-10 seasons they'd scored well into 20 goals already in Manchester City and they've not they're not past that mark yeah, so far this season. And I think that's they scored 20 been... more goals at this stage last season, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the reason's very clear. Aguero's struggling with injury and Jesus is a good striker, but he's not of the quality of Sergio Aguero. And look, <laughs> I've said many times on this podcast, I'm surprised they didn't go out and deal with that issue. But of course, you can't, when you bring quality in, you know, you're going to have another player top player to deal with another top players moans about regular first team game time and you've got issues there but quite clearly City can't they are in the title race but I I don't see them winning it unless they can deal with that problem of scoring goals up front because you can't win the title unless you can score goals uh, Spurs and Liverpool have got it Chelsea have got it in, in abundance um, United have got it if they can somehow shoehorn their way into it and get better defensively but City don't have it what about Southampton Crook because they're the third best team in the Premier League at the moment uh, in terms of uh, the, the, where they are in the uh, the division most importantly I think is, is, is the goal scoring and we sort of alluded to that in the intro to this particular piece in which they are the third highest goal scorers in the division at the moment yeah, and what a finish it was uh, from Theo Walcott back at the Emirates uh, in midweek. And what I really liked about it was his celebrations. He certainly wasn't worried about the fact that he was uh, an Arsenal player who scored 100 uh, goals for the club. He was delighted uh, Darren, I've got um, it now. to get that I've got goal. it now. I've got it now. I know why he was so desperate to talk about Southampton. Because on the uh, post-match pod on Sunday night, he said that he thought Theo Walcott, his mate... Uh, um, would come back to haunt Arsenal and of course he got the goal sorry we should have seen that coming a mile off shouldn't we absolutely the, but the, the, the table that, is set for you Crook that they are a team who uh, create plenty of chances um, and in Danny Ings and Walcott and even Shay Adams this season they've got players who are pretty effective at putting those chances away what I was also interested in was the fact that Ralph Hasen who's named an unchanged team because if you look at the history of his management at Southampton usually when you've got three games in a week 
he rotates the list of players because, as we know, they play with some intensity. Theo Walcott told me, actually, every time they come off the pitch, they're absolutely shattered. The fact he didn't make any changes, and I don't expect wholesale changes against Manchester City either, suggests that he's got them now as one of the fittest teams in the Premier League. That was always his modus operandi, even when he was at, at Leipzig. Um, I, I would like to ask you your favourite Southampton player at present, though. Only because I want to say that mine is Yannick Vestergaard. Because this is a guy who couldn't jump two years ago. Now he's a threat from every set piece. He's scoring from every other corner. And he's bringing the ball out like Beckenbauer. Do you know what? You're right. But they've got so many likeable players. And I made this point in commentary on Premier League Live last weekend. They've been a selling team. But actually, if you look at the team at the moment... Probably apart from Danny Ings, they haven't got any players that the big clubs are going to come in and pay tens of millions of pounds for. The team unit is stronger than the individual, but Romeo is is um, a player who gives his heart and soul in midfield. James Ward-Prowse is the heartbeat of that team. You've mentioned Vestergaard. You need to mention Bednarek as well. They yep. formed a fantastic partnership. Do you think we put All- Vestergaard's improvement down to the fact that he had his hair cut? <laughs> yeah, a bit like a reverse well- Thor. Reverse Samson. Uh, maybe. I think he's just been well coached. I think it all comes back to the, the man in the dugout. I like the way that you went biblical when I went for Marvel. But anyway, uh, Brighton against Sheffield United kicks off at midday on Sunday. Uh, Darren, what are you expecting from this one? Sheffield United will lose and Brighton will win. <sighs> That's a bold so statement. Not being, Old statement. I'm not, Old being statement. I'm not being flippant when I say that. I, I mean, what are you Sheffield going United on there? I mean, you're going on the fact that Sheffield United have lost 13 of the last 14? Yeah, their confidence is through the floor. Um, you look at Wilder. I'm a big Wilder fan, but he looks as though his confidence is starting to wane. Conversely, Brighton can score goals. They know how to express themselves. Brighton they can score goals. The attacking. That's what I'm worried about with Brighton, I think. I mean, they have opportunities, but they don't score goals. That's an issue for them, I think. Yeah, but they can score goals. They've got that capability. I think Sheffield United don't. I, I think they spend more time worrying how to keep goals out and they're not able to do it. Um, the only thing I that will prevent Brighton from winning is very similar to Southampton against City uh, and against the big clubs. It's being so worried about being caught in the counter-attack that you don't actually carry the fight to your visitors. But if Brighton do that, if they're ruthless and they punish Sheffield United, um, I, I think that it's a Brighton win all day long. I'm worried about Sheffield United. If you look at West Brom, they've taken a decision to save themselves. I didn't think that they needed to do at Sheffield United. I, I still would like them to see them keep Wilder, but I don't know. Okay, uh, thank you very much, gentlemen. We'll be back with you on Monday morning when we look back at all the weekend's football on the Game Day Premier League post-match podcast. Uh, Thanks to Darren Lewis and to Alex Crook. We'll see you for a preview of Chelsea West Ham and a whole big look back as well on Monday morning. See you then. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. 
play at labrooks.com. 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.